Our gospel lesson from Mark is more lengthy than short this, this morning. So I'm reading from Mark 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. And he said to them, They said back to Jesus, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and the fish And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is my privilege and that of my wife, Angela, uh, to know Oleg. And uh, Angela has yet to meet Victoria in person, but has seen her on Skype. You'll notice that Victoria is in this photograph. She had originally planned to be here with us, uh, but they found out recently that they're going to expect their first child. And uh, the doctor determined that the, uh, the pregnancy is probably going to be high risk and suggested that Victoria not travel. So she's back in Odessa, Ukraine. And uh, we very much wish that she were here. I know that Oleg does as well. But they are doing an incredible ministry. You can read about them in the flyer. Uh, Oleg is first and foremost a pastor. And you'll hear more about that story. He also serves as dean of students at Concordia a seminary that's in cooperation with Lutheran Church Canada, uh, but they both really have a heart for the youth, the children of Ukraine, and you will hear more about that. Uh, but also listen to the rest of the story. There's there's a great deal happening in Ukraine, as you're probably well aware. How many of you remember a couple of years ago the protests that were in Minsk, or not in Minsk, in in, in Kiev? Uh, Ukraine at the Maidan protest, and you saw they were all gathered around there for months on end. Uh, Oleg preached there three times on the main stage. He was asked to do that as a representative of the Lutheran Church. They had several booths set up to represent people from all regions of Odessa, or rather of Ukraine, and somebody suggested that there be a tent that represent all of the, the clergy representing the religions of Ukraine. And uh, they asked Oleg to preach. And so you are in for a a really great sermon. So I'm going to stop talking and invite Oleg to come up here and preach the gospel with truth and spirit. Blessings to you.
Thank you. It is a great joy and privilege for me to be here. I was born in Ukraine, old Soviet Union. So actually when I was in school, I was taught Americans are evil and they are enemies. So I'm so happy to be here with my family, with brothers and sisters in Christ and with people who share same faith, same baptism and same Lord. So it's really great joy for me. As I said before, I haven't had privilege to be born in a Christian family or Christian country. I remember I was six years old when I went to school, and already before that I was able to read a lot of books. And one of the books I was reading was from Jack London, and he wrote something about God. And I had no idea what does this mean. So it was time before Google, before Internet and computer in every house, so I asked my Google elementary teacher, so what does this mean? And I was punished for that. Um, and not only at school, I had to make many promises. I will never speak about God, but my principal called Mama's uh, boss, and when she came home, she again punished me for asking stupid question, and you don't do that. So I learned a lesson as I was in this large room and talking to the principal's scary lady that I has promised I will never speak about God ever in my life. I think this was the moment when God looked at me and said, I like you. <laughs> One day, you will be my minister. <laughs> he has this sense of humor. <laughs> so, I was only 12 years old when Soviet Union collapsed and we were, when we were able to listen for the very first time the Word of God. I remember as I was presented with New Testament, um, it was not good quality book, yellow pages, some, some of the printing was not so good, but they wanted to give us something, and I received this New Testament, the Word of God in my own language. And I remember when I was reading the first Gospel of John, and I was amazed, and John is still one of the best friends I ever had in my life. Um, only a few years later, my little sister started to ask me, she wants to read this adult Bible. And so I said, oh, it's a great book. Girl, she asked if this book with a happy ending. <laughs> I was too busy at my high school, so I said, you know, just at the end everything will be fine. And so a few days later, or weeks, I discovered her after school. She was sitting in my bed. She was crying. And she said, they killed him. He was so nice to people. He preached. He touched so many lives. And he was so wonderful. And they just killed him. This is a terrible book. This is a horrible story. There's no sense and no reason for me to finish this book ever. And she threw my Bible into bed. I was smiling, but I also was, I understood she was there when that happened. She was not just reading the story, she felt. She sighed with her own eyes. So I said, Rita, just give it a try. Read a few more pages, you will be surprised what will happen next. A few weeks later, she was surprised. This is the best story I've ever read. <laughs> he is alive. The story of Jesus would be a terrible story if we would end reading on a Good Friday. Um, Jesus was still a young man, and his life was cut short on this wooden cross. Think about all of the disciples as they watched Jesus, and they turned their backs and ran away to save their lives. Think about all the women who loved him so much, they supported him, Think just about Mary, as she saw her own son, beloved son, was pierced to this wooden cross. He said the last word, 
and he died. Only when we understand how broken, how hopeless people were at this moment, we would understand the meaning and the true understanding of the gospel that was brought by the angel of this very first day of Easter. He is alive. He is indeed alive. This is the best story. And I hope in your life, in your church, in your families, you treasure this book and you treasure this story, life-changing, life-transforming story. But today I want to focus on a different story of Jesus' life. Maybe this story is known to you. We read it together as we listened to the gospel. Jesus just discovered that his cousin was dead, John the baptizer, and he wanted to be by himself. He was searching for this desolate place where he can pray to God. If there ever was a time in his life when he could have called his boss, his father, and say, I'm sorry, I need to have personal day, it was it. It was the day when he discovered the last prophet of the Old Testament was dead. He is the next. He had a lot to think about that. He didn't call his people. He didn't create them so that they might kill him. But this will face this what he was waiting for him. So he was surprised to see all these people. But we read he has compassion with them. And he decided to preach, to teach, to touch their lives. And it was not 25 minutes or one hour and 30 minutes. He preached whole day. So that the disciples one moment came to him and said, you know, Jesus, it's getting late. We are so far away from the old villages. So maybe, you see, people are hungry. And we too. So let them go home and let them to go in those villages so that they can buy something, so that they can get something. The disciples discovered the condition of people. I don't know if they were so concerned about other people or about themselves. We are tired of all these people, crazy people who just want you. Just let them go home and stay with us. But they have seen something very important. They have seen the hunger of the people. They have seen the lateness of the hour. And they have discovered distance to the old next villages. Have you seen ever people who have everything they just can dream of to be happy? They have all everything just they need for their families, and they still have this hunger. They can satisfy with anything they have. They, I have seen people who try to get degrees one after another, one after another, and still they have this hunger. I have seen people who try to work hard and have beautiful, large family, and still there is some something inside, some emptiness that nothing can feed into this hole in their hearts. I have seen people in Ukraine who start drinking or using drugs just not to think of all these difficulties or all, all this terribleness or all these important questions. Even though people might have everything, but they still have this real hunger that only God can satisfy, that only God through his word can bring their true understanding. We like to think we have a lot of time. We have the old time of the world um, and we like to push all these important questions till we are kind of old and pen, on a pension and we will be doing writing memoirs and doing all this kind of crazy stuff. But as a pastor, I have been to many funerals. I have been to funerals of unborn kids. I have been to funerals of teenagers, young people. Caskets should never be made in this size. 
I have been to funerals of people in 20s, 30s, 40s, and um, we like to think we have a lot of time, but do we? And uh, um, all these people uh, that I buried or I've been to a funeral of, they, you would look at them as they were alive and you would say they have so much time, but do we have so much time? We are so far away from the place that God called paradise, where people, Adam and Eve, could see God, could talk to him face to face as we do it right now. They can understand each other and they can spend wonderful time. We are far away from beautiful doctrines and our world is just driving nuts and driving way, way, way from God. I was born in a country that 75 years old denied God's existence. 75 years old, we were taught there's no God and the God is only just a fairy tale for stupid people who have no education. Can you imagine how hard it for some people who are elderly people now to believe or to accept God's existence, God's love, and his, that he is caring for them? I think I was about 13 years old and I was on my way to my Lutheran church in Dnipropetrovsk, a large town in Ukraine. And I had to take a bus, a public transportation, and I looked at all the people. Usually it was very crowded because Sunday was day when the market that was not far away from the church was filled with all the goodies one can just dream of. Fresh milk and cheese and meat and, and all the wonderful and yummy vegetables that we can grow in Ukraine. And people were concerned to get a lot of that. They were talking and, to each other. And, and when I looked at the people, I understood something. As I looked at them, they might have good plants, they look beautiful, but if they don't know God, if they don't have true relationship, living relationship with their Creator, they will die. And I don't just mean they will grow older and one day they will die. No, they will die for eternity because they, there is no spiritual life in them. And so I ran into my pastor and I said, we need to do something about that. He looked at me, he's a Lutheran pastor, so he said, you know, you cannot save everyone. We will surely pray for them. And I said, no, this is not enough. And I did pray, but at the end of the service, I said, no, this is not enough. So I remembered we had a few boxes of New Testaments and different booklets that we can just give out to people with the stamp of our church. And I said, okay, we'll grab some of that. And on Monday, I started my first mission trip Instead of going to school, please don't repeat that, but instead of going to school, I put in my bag not the books for my classes, but all these New Testaments, and I went in the streets of my town and I started to preach the gospel. I mean, I couldn't preach much. I invited people to the one, to our pastor, who could explain, but I spoke to people about need, great need. I did it a few days Till one day, a police officer came to me and said, this is quite early and you should be at school. What are you doing here? So he gave me a ride. It was the first time I drove in a police car. And um, he brought me back to school. The principal was very mad with me. Later, my mom too, and I was punished again. So it was the end of my mission career, as I thought. <laughs> as my mom was talking to me, evening, what were you doing? I said, mom, how can I just come to school? and listen to all, everything the teachers can say. I can read it all from the books. But there are people who are dying. There are people who are desperate. 
the people who need to hear the word of God and we just do nothing. We just pray and wait that they might show up to us in our church. We need to do something about that. Have you had experience like that ever in your life? Have you ever this understanding that people that you love, that may be members of your family, that maybe you spend vacation with or work with, or they're your neighbors, that they need God, that they need to be freed by his gospel and his holy word. Have you ever learned how to deal with that? What the disciples have done the first, as they have discovered this condition of the people, they come to Jesus and they tell it to him. They prayed. We will benefit a lot if we will learn to pray. If we will come to Jesus and we will bring to him people we love, if we will be talking with him about difficulties we face or about concern or hopes we are concerned about. We will learn a lot if we will pray about people of our country, of our town, people we sp- share so much time, spend so much time together. But we are sure we like to speak and we don't like to listen. Have you noticed that about yourself sometimes, even when people are talking, they can take especially girls sometimes they take they speak together at the same time and they understand each other and I do it with my wife sometimes like oh can I say something about we do like to do it with God as well we like to text him long emails but do we listen what he has to say and answer to to us as the disciple came and they already gave Jesus the agenda just let people go do what we tell you this will be the best God answered in a completely different way you give them something to eat. I will repeat that. You, you give, and you give them something that they need. Disciples were not ready for that. Disciples were not concerned. They looked at themselves and said, we have 200, will be enough to feed all these people. I mean, Jesus, if you want to do something about, maybe we can have more money. We will have more money. We will have more opportunities. We can reach out to more people. We can feed more people. Sometimes even in the mission field, we like to think about that. More money will open more doors and will give us more opportunities. But Jesus doesn't answer that. He asks, what do you have? Five bread and two fish. I mean, that would not be enough to feed a family. And especially if there are a few teenagers who are really hungry, or a few students who are always hungry, as I see it in Ukraine. Um, maybe here in the U.S. you never have these problems. But in, U- in Ukraine, some people in my congregation, they have doctor degree in excuses. When you come and invite them to do something in the church, to do something for the gospel, oh, I'm too young, I'm too busy, I'm working right now on my degree, or I'm, I'm not sure this is something for me and this is something I would love to do, or I never have done that before and I'm not really sure about that. I can surely pray about someone, but I don't think it's about me. Maybe you recognize some of the excuses yourself and maybe you have used a lot of them to hide behind as you hear God's voice to do something, as you hear sometimes pastors or lay leaders call you to help in vacation Bible school, in some camps or some mission trips. Have you ever recognized that God wants to use us? I have learned in my life as disciples were about to learn just a little bit with Jesus is much more than everything without him. Just a little bit but with Jesus is more than anything, everything without him. 
David knew that as he collected only five stones to defeat the warrior of, of the so difficult to, to, and everyone was afraid of. Jesus knew that as he took this five bread and two fish and he blesses us and gives us to his disciples and let them go. Something important for us if we want to be successful or godly missionaries as God is calling us to be, we need to understand we don't need to create anything. We don't have to come up with new ideas, new strategies. I mean, all of this can be good. But we need to remember we can receive something from God, his word, his precious body and blood, and we can just bring it to other people, and this will be enough. It will do what God has given it for the purpose for our people. We need to start trusting him that we will continue to do what he has promised. We need to take word of God and his command serious in our life, and we actually should start doing something about that. We read about wonderful wonder that took place this day. 5,000 men, children and women, and no one stayed hungry that day. And they had ended up with so much leftovers that there will be enough for next few days. But this wonder didn't happen as someone discovered the hunger of the people. It didn't happen when someone was so good that he came to Jesus and prayed and told him about that. Jesus knew that already. And it didn't happen when someone was ready to give up his lunch box, everything he has, just for Jesus. It happened when the disciple took back from Jesus what he has received, and they trusted him. They trusted this will be enough. They trusted him this will do its work, even though they completely couldn't understand how this will work and how they can do that. But they decided to rely on him, on his word, on his command. I, am, I can tell many, many stories about uh, Ukraine. I don't know much about your country. Only one thing, I'm getting really addicted to green chili, and I'm already concerned, <laughs> what would I do about that in, back in Ukraine? But our small Lutheran church, since the beginning of our existence, we took the word of God serious. You give them something to eat. You give them something that they're in need of. This was the reason why I, right after high school, when I was only 16 years old, I entered the seminary program. You have to have actually a bachelor degree before, but they decided to take me. And I was only 19 when I was done with my education. I had three years of vicarage behind me, and it was time they wanted to ordain me. They, had, they said, we never had this in North America before, but okay, we see God is working in your life. I can tell you a lot about my beautiful country, amazing people, wonderful food, but you can come and see it for yourself. My country is still in a difficult situation in war. In the eastern part of the country, in Donetsk, Lugansk, people are dying. Young people who are going to war coming back broken, and they have no desire to live anymore. I can tell you about one boy, Sergei. He was only in his 20s, and I remember entering the military hospital, and I, as I come every month few times, and I come to his room, and there was a beautiful girl sitting beside him and, and just crying. I was told that he already three times tried to commit suicide because he doesn't know what to do. His legs were just amputated because he was shot, and it was a very bad situation. 
He didn't know how to provide for his family. He didn't felt like he's man enough. And every night he's waking up and he's just screaming, please kill me. Please, I don't want to live like that. I was so, it was such a wonderful opportunity to share good gospel with him, that God loves him, that he has a plan for his life, that he wants to work in his life, and that he wants to bless him with his salvation, and he wants to be with him. Many people, because of this war situation, and the price, prices are right, uh, so high, so they have difficult times. People who worked 40 or 50 years, um, they have only like 40 dollars pension and believe me that is not enough to heat your room in the winter time when it's minus 40 outside and it's not enough to have meat at least once a week so I remember visiting this one lady um, she haven't come to church service for a long time Ludmila and so I come and we decided to have a small service we wanted to read the Bible and to celebrate communion after but I saw her hands were shaking and she was so tired, I decided to invite, maybe we should have a cup of tea or coffee. And as she was preparing it, I looked at the kitchen, it was everything so clean, you don't see any leftovers of food, and I just picked in a refrigerator just to see if she's eating at all, and they were empty, no light. She turned it off because it's electricity and you need to pay for that. I was so, I understood she was shaking and she was tired, not because she's tired, but because she was probably hungry. So I said, I need to run to my car. And I went to the first store and I bought a few bags with some goodies and I came back and I decided to prepare a meal. She had a lot of comments on how you cut and how you peel the potatoes <laughs> like all the grandmas do. And I respectfully ignored all of that and I prepared meal and as she was eating, she said, I haven't had meat, chicken meat, for probably a few months. We have many people many difficulties. We try to help people in our congregation. We try to help people in need in our community by giving them this, what they need, by preaching to them the gospel. But our country is also very famous or very struggling with one big need, orphanages. We have many broken families. Kids are being thrown away. Some parents are neglecting and they are drug addict or they have drugs or alcohol uh, and they are not responsible enough for themselves and they cannot take for their kids. So we have over 100,000 orphans who just live in terrible condition and they never have experienced love of people. I remember once preaching there and I said, God, God the Father is so amazing to us. And one of the boys said, oh, I don't want to have a father like that. I said, why? He said, oh, my father abused me. So another father no, no, thank you, I'm done with that. And I was so glad to be able to share with him the good news of God, who is not father like our fathers, who fail. We fail sometimes. But he is a perfect father who loves us to pieces, that he is ready to sacrifice his own beloved son to adopt you and adopt me to his wonderful, beautiful family. So we are dreaming and as we listen and we see these people, we hear God's, you give them something to eat. We are praying, and we would, be, we would be glad if you will pray with us as we are learning how to serve these orphans. We want to create some places where these kids for some time can learn. Since the government does a good job of teaching them and supporting them, but then 
when they are 18, they just say, you're on your own. And they are outside. They don't know how to make a lot of money. And some of them are trying to do something illegal. And I'm visiting a few of these boys now in prison. Some of the girls are trying to sell themselves into prostitution. They just want to get money. We think we need to do something. No, we have to do something about that. To bring them not just the skills they need, or maybe opportunity to learn more about how to be independent. During that time, we want to preach to them. We want to share with them the love that God has given to us. And we would love to have your hearts and your support in that. Can you only imagine what will happen in your country, in your city, or in a country like Ukraine, if we, people of God, will understand there is a problem with this world that no one can fix. And people are in big need of someone who would come and free them by the good gospel. What would happen if people learn to pray, to bring to God all our needs, trusting that he can do more than we can see? If people learn to listen to his voice, not just to sit in the pews and waiting that we will be served and everyone will be doing the great music and great preaching, but actually we will decide to act on what God's word is telling to us, if he's speaking to us today or in any other day, if we will stop finding all these excuses and hiding behind all of that why we could or shouldn't do any mission work, and we will take the word of God, his last word on this earth, for us to go and make others to be disciples of his through baptism and through the teaching, if we will take all this serious, I think sometimes it was a great time when Jesus was alive when he was touching lives of people, but he is still alive, and he is still here, present, in you and me. And he is the head, and we are his body, his church, and he loves to reach out to others by using you and using me. So may God bless us and continue to bless us as we learn that he has everything for us. He himself become the bread of life to give us everything we need to come to people who have this hunger, who are so far away from God and who don't know anything about him, to bring them Christ and to bring them salvation. So may God give us his Holy Spirit, his strength, and support us together in this um, way in in his name. Amen.